when was the last time that you felt hurt over what you did or um, felt really sad by hurting someone that you really loved or even God? What does being faithful to God look like in our culture? Let's be a hill city in our communities that show that we are different from the world around us. This podcast explores pop culture and gives insight on how we can biblically and critically think about the world. Hi, my name is Grace, and I'm the host of Hill City Podcast. Hi, I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving this past week. Hopefully you guys ate some really good food, spent some time with your family, played some games, and just had some time to be thankful for everything in your life. For me, this past weekend, I went to the Hmong New Year's here in North Carolina, which is a pretty big event. There's a lot of people dressed in their nice Hmong outfits. I had a lot of amazing food. I mean, we're talking about papaya, kapong, tho, and it was just a grand time. Not to mention that I also got a new Hmong outfit, which I'm really excited to wear for next year. But besides that, I want to talk about Korean dramas. So we're going to dive into this whole world of Korean dramas. We're going to go across the ocean and we're going to dissect how Korean dramas work, specifically startup. So the title of this episode is... Um, Nam Do San. It's all about him, which is a character in Startup. And we're going to grapple with the concept of grace as an undeserved gift for sinners and also explore what it means to have a broken and contrite heart. So Startup is this drama that I fell in love with right when I started watching it. And for me, dramas have this very a soft place on my heart. I mean, I've watched them since I've grown up. You know, I was young. I always wanted my mom to translate these dramas for me. There's a clip of me when I was three years old and I was um, right in front of the TV watching Autumn in My Heart. And I don't know if any of you guys watch those older classic Korean dramas, but that one was one of the first dramas that hooked me into um, into this world of Korean dramas. But Startup is a very unique drama. Actually, Netflix has been coming out with a lot of great storylines and great character development. So before I go into talking about Dosan, his character, and how that relates to us, I just want to give you a background on Startup. Startup is about a little girl And she grows up with her sister and eventually they have to separate because their parents have a divorce. So then the older that she gets, she wants to prove to her sister who is now wealthy while she is still poor living with her grandma. um, She's going to try to prove to her sister that she can still be just as successful as her older sister, even though she didn't have a rich parent with her. So this main girl, her name is So Dalmi, and when she was younger, her grandma actually wanted to um, give her friends because she was just going through a really hard time. So here, the story introduces the second lead guy, which is Han Ju Pyong, 
And he's this little boy who the grandma meets and she's telling this boy, hey, I have a granddaughter that I really want you to be friends with. And if you could just write letters to her, that would be amazing. Just keep her company. You can be whoever you want. Um, but she just really needs a friend right now. And that is exactly what Han Ji-pyong did. He was sitting down with the grandma and he was trying to figure out how to write and to start this uh, letter and there was this um, newspaper right next to him and he was flipping through the pages trying to figure out if he should introduce himself as Han Ji-pyong or someone else so he actually decides to um, use this name of a successful math genius who won this award and his name is Namdo-san. Now, Namdo-san is actually the main lead. And he is this math geek. He's socially awkward. Um, but the older that they grow up, Sodalmi eventually loses contact with um, the person that's writing her the letters. And she obviously falls in love with that person. And um, as she is growing up and wants to start up her own company to kind of battle and compete with her older sister she has to figure out um, who's going to be on her team who's going to be the technician who's going to be the person that will kind of be the hands and the feet of this company that she wants to start because she plans on being the ceo so brilliant idea she remembers her first love namdo san the guy who wrote her the letters and she tries to stalk him on Facebook and um, on social media. But the actual Namdo-san, like I said, he's socially awkward. So he's not on social media at all. And eventually, Mr. Han, who grows up to be a very successful businessman who can invest into companies, realizes that Sodalmi is on the hunt for Namdo-san, the guy who is writing her the letters, which was Mr. Han. So Mr. Han, trying to figure out what to do, he decides to go find this Namdo-san, the guy who had received that award when he was younger. He tracks Namdo-san and is realizing that Namdo-san is not a very rich guy he's not a good looking type of guy I mean he's your ordinary type of boy and with shaggy hair he's wearing plaid shirts um, and he has these other two nerdy friends with him too so Mr. Han is um, really nervous he's anxious and then he goes to um, Nam Do-san and he's like Do-san hey I have all of these letters I know this sounds crazy but you need to go show up for Sodalmi, this girl that I've been pretending um, to be you. And you need to read all my letters and basically reenact me. Because this girl who fell in love with the person through the letters, she thinks that it's you. But the thing is that I've been impersonating you and we don't want to break her heart, right? I mean, we don't want to... Um, reveal this lie because who knows how she's going to take it in so dosan not knowing better he's like okay you know like i guess i'm gonna go and try to meet this girl and you know be the person that um uh, mr han has been hyping me up to be and that's the whole essence of startup 
that is um, the heart of the series and eventually we'll see how this lie continues to get bigger and bigger and affects all three characters but dosan is such a realistic relatable character i think he's really relatable to you and for me too a lot of people who watch the series is team mr han but no like when i was watching it i was team dosan all the way he's not that typical rich mean guy who steals the girl's heart but he's actually very soft and gentle. His character development makes me think about how this should be our response to God's amazing gift of forgiveness and salvation. Dosan is this really smart, intelligible guy, but he needs a lot of help in areas like socializing with girls, knowing what to wear. And Mr. Han kind of um, goes alongside Dosan and teaches him some of these things. But the thing is that that's not who Dosan really is. He's not really um, himself when he's with the girl that he eventually falls in love with, which is Delmi. But I think Dosan's character really humanizes a broken and contrite heart, especially in episode nine where we see how this lie has just really impacted his life. It impacts the way that he relates to his love, Dalmi, and it just um, destroys him. It makes him sad, and he's just a very emotional type of character. So we're going to dive more into that um, in this episode. But before we go into that, I want to talk about how sin hurts and causes rifts in re- relationships. Beginning in Genesis, Adam and Eve, they were these two beings who were in the garden. And we all know the story. After Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree they were commanded not to by God. They hid themselves with fig leaves and hid from the Lord. In verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Here, Adam and Eve, they feel ashamed and scared. Sin inevitably causes this wedge in their relationship, whether they recognized it or not. And just like in our lives, sin inevitably causes a wedge in our relationships with each other and with God, whether we acknowledge it or not. But the only way that relationships can be restored is if the offender confesses and asks for forgiveness. We see that In Genesis chapter 3, verses 9, it says, But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? God isn't asking this because he he doesn't know, because God is all-knowing. But he's asking this rhetorical question to get Adam and Eve to think about what they have done. He's actually making a way for them to confess their wrongdoing against him so that he can forgive them. Forgiveness makes it possible for broken relationships to heal. Dosan in Startup was far from being that perfect Korean main lead guy. This drama series makes it very clear by dedicating part of an episode to showing how he cheated in an, in an exam that led him to winning a gold medal for being a math genius. The show reveals an imperfect being who knows that and isn't afraid to embrace that reality. The guy that Mr. Han saw in the newspaper when he was young and 
um, pretending to be Dosan, he didn't know that the little boy who won that medal had cheated on an exam to get to where he's at. So the scene starts off like this. Dosan, he's sitting on his bed thinking about how he's been living this lie to the love of his life. He's scared. He's anxious of being found out and terribly um, bad for lying. I mean, he feels really bad. It's a paradox, though, because he got to experience the best blessing in his life through that. But he feels brokenhearted and he doesn't feel like he deserves Dalmi. In the beginning of this episode, it takes us back into time through a flashback when he was younger. He starts telling the story of how he received a gold medal for an academic ceremony when he was a little boy. He had actually forgot that last question on the test, but then all of a sudden there's this gush of wind that blows through the window of the room, blowing another student's answer sheet to the ground. And just for a split second, he peeks at their answers and then proceeds to finish his test. He gets this perfect score on which it leads to him receiving the gold medal. Dosan, he felt sorrow. He felt sad because he knew that he did something wrong and received a gift that he didn't deserve. He wanted to give that medal away because he understood that it was not his rightful place to take it. So throughout the drama, this idea and character trait develops. But just like Dosan, you and I, we aren't perfect. We hurt each other. Sometimes we get jealous and envious of our friends who have better clothes, technology, and jobs, and then we start to compete with them. We try buying more and flaunt our things on social media without even realizing that envy and jealousy is breaking our relationship with our friends. It's an offense against them because we aren't actively trying to love them anymore. Instead, we are choosing to be selfish. Maybe we hurt others by gossiping about them behind their backs. We sneak in nasty comments about their character because it just irks us. And these comments, they spread like wildfire in communities. We are imperfect human beings who tend to hurt others more than we think we do. And the selfish things that we do that hurt others and our sin causes rifts in our relationships with God and his people. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And then Psalm 51 17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. And then in Psalm 34, verses 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. These three verses that I just read show us that it takes humility to feel sorry and broken for offending others, for sinning. But in 1 Corinthians, the first verse which I just shared with all of you, shows us that there are two types of sorrow. There's godly sorrow and there's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is the type of sadness that is actually really good and healthy. It's the sorrow that makes you feel ashamed of what you did. Um, You feel sad, but you want to change. And so then you repent and that's what helps lead to salvation. But worldly sorrow brings death 
maybe this is talking about like the type of sorrow that we might feel when we are depressed. It's just very hopeless. But godly sorrow reaps hope. So this common theme of feeling remorse over our sins is very evident um, in the series Startup and also in our life. Remorse means deep regret or guilt for a wrong committed. Do you ever feel regret, guilt, or sadness if you hurt others or God? Or have you ever felt ashamed of what you did and wanted to make things right with those you hurted by owning up and apologizing? We need to own up to how we have sinned against God and others by feeling sad over it and desiring to change and most importantly, asking for forgiveness. Feeling godly sorrow is actually good. It leads us to feel sad of what we did and moves us to change. It moves us to a posture of humility, which then makes a way for us to apologize. It breaks down our walls of pridefulness. Saying sorry for something that you did takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of vulnerability. It's really hard for us to apologize And it's also really hard for us to want to change from bad habits, especially when we're sinning or hurting others. A lot of times our pride gets in the way. We don't like feeling less of ourselves or we have a hard time admitting that we're wrong. But the whole point of our faith in Jesus requires us to recognize that we have wronged someone. We have wronged God and it takes us to admit that and ask for forgiveness. And that can be a very difficult thing to do. Dosan, he was this real human character that shows us how to be sad when we hurt others. First of all, he lied to his love. He lied to Dalmi. Episode 9 taps in his guilt of knowing what he's doing is wrong. Dosan can't help but feel sad and scared of what will happen. I really believe that the director wanted to show us how much Dosan felt bad for hurting Dalmi before episode 10, which is when the lie would be brought into the light. Episode 9 prepares us viewers to see how deep and intricate Dosan breaks over his offense against Dalmi. There's a scene that made me really sad. I mean, I think I cried. It was just a very powerful scene. And it's the scene where Dosan is out with his friends and the camera pans to him and he's talking. And eventually we see that this is just a dream that he has, um, but he's talking to someone. And then a couple seconds later, we see that the person that he's talking to is Dalmi. They begin having this conversation and he says that he took a wrong turn and stumbled upon fireworks which is basically a metaphor of how he wasn't supposed to meet Dalmi. And especially since he didn't deserve um, winning that gold medal because he lied and, you know, now he's in a bigger lie. Like, he just doesn't deserve Dalmi. But it was so hard for, for him to resist her and to resist this opportunity of being blessed with her because it just looked so cool Uh, for him and it made him excited and happy to know that he could actually help someone out he could actually use his um, math skills and his uh, great intelligent uh, plans of creating you know computer softwares to have the girl of his dreams reach her goal 
And then the camera pans to Delmi's face and she's just there with red eyes that indicate that she's crying and feeling really hurt. And she asks him, why did you do it? Why did you lie? Dosan learns that his lie had caused him and her so much more hurt in their relationship. He recognizes that he had caused this and feels tremendously sad as he palms his face and begins to weep. He says, what do I do? This is a powerful scene because it encapsulates the depth of hurt that he felt from hurting the one that he loved. Do you ever feel hurt knowing you hurt someone? Have you ever felt hurt knowing that your sin has offended and hurt God? Dosan's actions of breaking eye contact with Dalmi in that conversation, then looking downwards and crying in the act of palming his face after, afterwards are clear physical expressions of someone who is in deep agony. He feels ashamed and he owns up to his mistake. This is a profound example of how we should feel when we sin. If you want to see the clip below, I'll attach it to the show notes. But this scene wrecked me. So if you watch it, please have some tissues next to you and let me know how you feel about it. I don't know if any of you guys uh, remember the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, but I would love to read that passage for all of you today because I think it really ties in this idea of remorse, feeling broken and sad over sin. So this comes out of Luke chapter 18 verses 9 to 14, and it says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. So here we see that Jesus is talking to this crowd and the crowd is feeling very confident of their own righteousness. They're feeling very good about uh, who they are and um, kind of like boastfulness and pridefulness. And they would look at everyone else and point out their sins or um, see other people's wrongs. But that's who Jesus was talking to. And that's why he is explaining this parable. And so in this parable, Jesus is contrasting two different men, the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee, he's very, very prideful. I mean, he's talking to God and he's, you know, um, feeling really good about himself, feeling like he's on top of the world. And he's comparing himself to all of these other sinners, the robbers, the evildoers, the adulterers, and he's having contempt on them. He is pointing out and seeing all of their sins, but he fails to see how he's a sinner. He doesn't see the need to be saved, but he sees the need to flaunt and to boast about how good he is 
And then in verse 12, he continues to say, you know, God, I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. He's saying, God, I do all of these amazing things for you. You know, I'm holy. I, you know, like you should be really proud of me. But we see in the, in the next verse, in verse 13, that the tax collector, he just couldn't even look up to heaven. He's standing at a distance. And this shows that the tax collector is feeling so ashamed so ashamed that he can't even be close to the person that he probably really loves, which is God, because all he can think about is his sin. All he can think about is how holy God is and how sinful he is. And then he continues to say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Wow. Just those few words are very powerful because one, he recognizes his place. He recognizes his rightful place as a sinner. So he's feeling ashamed. He's feeling really sad that he's a sinner. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop there, right? He then starts to plead with God. God, have mercy on me. The tax collector understood that because he's a sinner, God had every right to punish and to judge him But he is pleading, God, save me. Please save me. And I'm so glad that God is such a loving God because we see that Jesus says, the one who humbles themselves will be exalted. He's talking about the tax collector. The tax collector who had nothing to prove, no good thing to show off to God um, and feeling very sad about himself and asking for help and asking to be saved. He's the one that is actually saved. And that gives you and me so much hope because we don't have to get it all right. We don't have to do all of these things, which we should as a result of our love for God. But those things don't win our salvation. All we have to do is to recognize that we are a sinner in need of saving. We need to cling to Jesus. So in your life right now, do you think you are more like the Pharisee who is unable to see his weaknesses, who is unable to see how his sin is affecting his relationship with those around him and God? Or are you like the tax collector where you see your sin and it breaks your heart knowing how much it affects your relationship with God? When I was younger, I would often, you know, have to watch my siblings and, you know, like I've always been the emotional, very sad type of person, um, very sensitive. I mean, I was intact with my feelings So it wouldn't take a lot for someone to make me feel um, bad or for me to understand what they're trying to convey to me. So you don't have to yell at me for me to know that, okay, what I did had disappointed you and upset you. Someone could literally just say one sentence and it would wreck me and I would be thinking, overthinking about it a lot and I would get very sad and emotional. So when I was younger, my parents would ask me to take care of my younger siblings and they would be, you know, like toddlers and um, 
and yeah, I would have to help take care of them. But there are some days when I was just so busy on my phone and I didn't want to take care of them. I would watch YouTube or chat with my friends and, you know, like just be very distracted. And my sisters, they would get in a lot of trouble. Like they would hurt each other or they would, you know, make the house very messy. I remember this one time when my younger sister had spilt nail polish on the floor and boy, oh boy, like I couldn't even... um imagine how my parents would react to this so after every disappointment that I um, did like my parents they would lecture me and they would yell at me you know like discipline me which rightfully so they should I think parents should discipline their kids and their teenagers so that they can learn from these moments but after every um, lecture I would go to my room and I would just start weeping and feeling so sad. I would throw these pity parties because I just felt so broken. Knowing that what I did disappointed my parents, it hurt my sisters, and now I'm like really hurt too. Sometimes I would have this towel with me in the room and I would just, you know, weep in the towel, hoping that it would just muffle my voice and um, hold on to all of the snot that would be running down my nose. But in those moments, like, I would just feel very sad and disappointed. Sometimes I would be saying to myself, man, like, it would just be better if I wasn't here. Maybe my parents, you know, like, deserve a better older daughter who can take care of the the sisters, you know? Like, I, I'm such a failure. I failed them. I failed my sisters. You know, like, I don't deserve to be here. And I guess it was just very unhealthy thoughts at that time because I just couldn't handle the fact that I hurt the people that I loved. Maybe that's what it means to have worldly sorrow, you know? It's the type of sorrow where you feel no hope at all and you just, you know, dig up this hole and you just put yourself in there and. You know, you just um, get very sad and disappointed in yourself. But thankfully, those nights when I would cry to myself, the Lord really saved me. He really redeemed my tears. He redeemed those situations when I felt like I wanted to just disappear. Because instead of feeling like, you know, no one loves me, I remembered that God loves us who sinners. He loved us before, you know, we even knew him. And in the midst of all those lies, I remember these truths from the Bible. I remember these promises that God makes to us, regardless of our sin, regardless of the times that we will disappoint him. I got to taste unconditional love like no other time in my life. The only way that you can feel unconditional love is if you understand how you don't deserve that type of love. It's when you understand that you have failed this person, but yet they still love you despite your failings, despite your um, disappointments, and despite your weaknesses. Those moments when I would beat myself up because I didn't um, love my sister as well or I disappointed my parents... Like, God still loved me despite all of that. And that's what makes unconditional unconditional love so powerful. I think that the tax collector 
felt unconditional love from God. He was able to experience God's kindness through God's forgiving, uh, forgiving nature and through, you know, his mercy. There are three very beautiful gifts that God gives us that we do not deserve. That's salvation, forgiveness, and mercy. God knows that we will never measure up and will always be imperfect. We're going to have flaws. We're going to still have sin, even though we are Christians and, you know, Christ has saved us. And now when Jesus looks at us and when God looks at us, he sees us as um, righteous. But it's because of Jesus. That doesn't mean that there's never going to be sin or temptation in our life. There's n- that doesn't mean that we're never, ever going to fail others. But God doesn't judge us based on our works. He offers salvation to those who seek it. He justifies those who recognize that they can't do it on their own, just like that tax collector. Another beautiful gift that God deser- um, that God gives us that we don't deserve is forgiveness. Our God is a God who wants to forgive us, but he can't forgive us if we don't confess or see what we did wrong. Being forgiven by someone you hurt is such a sweet moment and feeling because now you don't have to live in shame anymore, but freedom and forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then also in the book of Hebrews, God also says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. He's saying that he will forgive you and all of your sins and the things that you did wrong. Isn't that such a joyful thing? A lot of times in our relationships with others, we're so scared that the person we hurt will have a grudge against us. Or that they will always remember that one time that we hurt them really bad. And, you know, what happens if they continue to bring it up in our friendship? But that isn't the case with God. He is a one and done deal. If you confess your sins to him right now, he will forgive you and choose not to remember that sin anymore. You get the opportunity to start on a clean slate again. And this happens every time that you confess your sins and ask for forgiveness and you feel remorse over them. The last very beautiful gift that God gives us that we don't deserve is his mercy. If God wanted to, he could just have all of us destroyed because he's holy without sin and we are sinful. He doesn't have to deal with us, but the amazing thing is that he does. He is a just God, meaning that God has every right to remove anything that is impure and unholy. And he has every right to judge those who lie, murder, steal, gossip, slander, envy, and more, which includes all of us. But it's his mercy that spares all of our lives. Mercy is the act of withholding punishment for those who deserve it and by forgiving them. Mercy comes from the Latin word that means price paid and is often related to kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. It's like when a judge shows mercy to someone who deserves punishment for their crimes. Sometimes that judge will cut off the years that they have to serve in prison. Sometimes that judge will completely um, just get rid of that person's slate so that they can start all over again and they're innocent. 
That's what mercy is. Micah 7 verse 19 says, You, God, will have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. God will have compassion on us when we confess our sins, when we acknowledge how sinful we are. He's going to throw our sins to the depths of the sea so that it's there no more, because that's how much he loves us. These gifts are good, and we don't deserve any of it. But God, who is love, gives it to those who seek him. So Dosan, he understood the weight of receiving a gift that he didn't deserve. In episode 10, the lie is finally brought into the light. Dalmi is hurt by his actions, and he's feeling destroyed over the lie that he has caused. Dosan also begins explaining how painful of a time it was for him to be near Dalmi, who he really cared about. There's this one scene when he um, finally talks to her face to face and she knows what happened and she's asking him why. Like, why did you do this? In the scene, he says, it was painful. When you looked at me, when you smiled at me, when you encouraged me, knowing that I didn't fully deserve it tore me apart. When you recognize that you have offended and hurt God, you realize that anything good that comes from him is something you don't deserve. That is a posture of humility. Humility is knowing one's rightful place before God as a sinner who needs saving. Dosan was completely honest and vulnerable. He embraced his wrongdoing and recognized that he didn't deserve any good thing that flowed from it. This is the reason why his character moves me, because he doesn't take things for granted. He's open to changing his ways for those he loves. He's open to acknowledging how he has hurt others. He's not that typical Korean guy who thinks he has it all together and then, you know, like he's mean and rude to the girl and um, he never apologizes about that. No, that's not Dosan at all. It hurts him deeply when he hurts others, especially Delmi. His lie had caused this riff in his relationship with the person that he loved. And it was because he had hurt her. It's because he had lied to her. And Dosan understood that the only way to make things right again with Delmi, the only way that could possibly help their relationship, restore their relationship, and heal this broken relationship again, is if he could just apologize. If he would just own up to all that he did and hope that she would see how sad it had hurt him knowing that he had hurt her. And so Dosan, He's very expressive in explaining and in telling her and apologizing to Dalmi and saying, I'm sorry. He doesn't make up excuses like, well, you did this and so I wanted to do this. He doesn't even include Mr. Han, who kind of started this whole lying thing. But no, Dosan, he understood what he did wrong. It hurt him and he owned up to that. And if Dalmi wanted to, she could forgive him. And it would be the most amazing thing because that means that her forgiveness would help this relationship to be restored again. And it, likewise, in our lives, when we hurt others and when we sin against God, 
it affects our relationship with that person. It, it can hurt them. And it's important that you and I learn how to own up to what we did wrong and to feel remorse, to feel broken over that, especially if we claim to love this person, especially if we claim to love God. And God doesn't shy away from saying, you know, like, I love people when they are brokenhearted. Like, he loves to comfort those who are brokenhearted. It's his desire to forgive those who seek forgiveness. So the next time that you sin, the next time that I sin, let's try to be more conscious about um, owning up to that. And understanding what it does to our relationships with those we love. And when we confess and when we acknowledge how we have hurt the other person by doing or saying or thinking some of these things, it allows them to forgive us. It allows for this relationship that was once was broken to be healed again, to be reconciled again. So the question that I want to challenge you today with is, are you soft and are you open to changing your ways of hurting others and God because you love them? Do you recognize that forgiveness, mercy, and being saved by God are all gifts that you don't deserve but can freely and gladly receive? So boldly go and approach the living God knowing that you don't have to have it all together. He has loved you before, loves you now, and will love you forever. He wants to forgive your transgressions, and he wants to restore this broken relationship with you and extend his meritless gifts to you if you would just let him. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you would like to hear more content or upcoming announcements, make sure to follow my Instagram account at Hill City Podcast. If you love listening to this podcast or resonated with any of these episodes, you can leave a review down below or on any other podcast platforms. Make sure to tune into the next episode and I'll see you later.